Hey, Mike. Ben, what's up, man? Well, I thought that since uh, we are currently busy up in Southbridge, Massachusetts, yep. putting on a big old woodworking event, we should give the great listeners of Shop Talk Live a quick episode. Oh, so that's the reason we're sitting in front of microphones with headphones on. Yes. Okay. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sneak up behind them. I throw the headphones on, ah. stick a microphone <laughs> And um, <clears throat> give me a big fat wet kiss. No, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess it's good that we're not doing video this time. Yes. <laughs> so this is going to be an audio only episode, um, which is good because my hair is doing. Uh, who's the Mary Lou, the gymnast Mary Lou uh, from the eighties? Uh, Retton. Mary Lou Retton? Yeah, I got a Mary Lou Retton thing going on. Oh, I thought it's more the Dorothy Hamill wedge. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah. I don't know, it's working for me. All right, cool. Yeah. It is it is what it is. So, um, what, are you, what are you doing at Fun Working Live? You're doing a design? Yeah, Friday is kind of a pre-registration day, but we do two um, hands-on classes. Bob Van Dyke is doing his, like, five-minute dovetail mm -hmm. stuff, I'm doing a hands-on design class. Okay. And then your presentation at live proper. Block, block planes, which, you know, on the surface of it, it's like, well, on one end of the spectrum, it's like, oh, how to design furniture. And then on the other end, oh, how to use a block plane. Really? I need to, <laughs> I need to know how to use a block plane, Mike. <laughs> so I'm at fine working live. Um, anyway, the two are actually really related to me because um designing furniture okay that that is what it is but then it's sort of realizing the concept and turning it into a real piece of furniture you know a lot of that has to do with uh the control you have over shaping the pieces shaping the fine details dialing in the design exactly where you want it and if you think of a block plane normally we think of it oh chamfer's done put it back in my tool chest but a block plane, which we kind of associate with, well, hand planes, you know, but unlike a smoothing plane or jack plane, um, which I consider both of those tools to be surfacing tools, like refining a surface, mm -hmm. you know, edges, uh, faces, block plane, if you think about it, is more of a shaping tool. So Say you, more. So a chamfer, like, a, you know, putting a chamfer yeah. on something, uh, putting a rounded edge on something, um, putting a curve on something, putting a, a tapered chamfer or curved chamfer on something to refine sort of, you know, either um, in actuality to sort of determine the shape of something or to, by being really strategic with it, you can sort of uh, change the perceived shapes of things, make legs look skinnier, make rails look arched or thinner, make tabletops look fatter or thinner. Um, so I've never thought – I mean, yeah, because you're right. Anytime I'm using a block plane, I am shaping something. Right. So it's more akin to a spoke shave than a number four. That's amazing that you said that because that didn't occur to me until after demonstrating this for like three years. Oh, it's kind of closer to a spoke shape. I literally <laughs> just made that connection like the other day. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, so yeah, it's about, you know, here's some tips for using block plane. Um, 
Here's some things you can do with it you may not have thought of, but more importantly, here's a way to think of this tool that may have you using it in a way that's going to benefit your work in a lot of ways. So, yeah, block planes. Huh. I'm sorry. Right now, I'm looking to see if I can stick someone else with something else. Uh, I could be at one of those presentations because oh. I have to run cameras at all of the presentations. And I'm not – okay. Well, well, that was pretty you'll much – You'll have to, like, that. give me a little bit more of a rundown right. during lunch sometime. That was pretty much it. Okay, cool. Well, I guess everyone who's not at live just save some money. Yeah. All right. Um, and all right. So let's uh, – Let's answer some Mike Pekovich specific questions. Cool. I keep a folder of them, and here are three. All right. Uh, question one is from Al. Hey, Al. I am having trouble. I don't know why that was funny. I'm having trouble laying out the pins and tails on Wenge mm. in the traditional way, unlike what Mike shows. Wenge, okay. Well, okay. Here's a tip. Do what Mike does. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Wenge is extremely hard and not at all forgiving, and the grain tends to be a problem when scribing in wood. Uh, Perhaps this is why he chose to do uh, his dovetails with the table saw and router, as he has seen on the classic woodworking show. Rough cut. Sorry. You have to cut that out now. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Sorry, Tom. Uh, (laughs) What'd you just step in? Um, where can I get the table saw blade and the router bit as Mike, that Mike uses? He always has great ideas that are very valuable. Oh, so thanks. do you do the blue tape because of this or do you – and do you do the the table saw and tails because of this? Um, I mean, yeah, a couple different things. In ter- yeah, Wenge is really tough. Uh, it's a really dark wood. In fact, um, it's really hard so you don't see your scribe lines. It's really dark so you don't see your scribe lines or pencil lines that well. Actually, um, it was the very first time I tried the blue tape on the end grain because I just couldn't see where I was going. So oh, okay. I would say, yeah, like anything else, it's it's you got to see your layout lines in order to know where you're going with it. So for me um, – the blue tape was originated with Wenge, and I just use it on everything now because um, it's just a cool thing. But in terms of table saw and router methods, I use those sort of independent of Wenge. I use those on everything, so using them on Wenge is fine. Okay. Um, but um, so the table saw blade, meaning the table saw blade with all the teeth ground in the same direction at a yeah. certain angle. Um, in my case, I've got a blade ground at eight and a half degrees, so I tilt it eight and a half degrees. Um, make a cut, rotate the workpiece, make another cut, and I have almost the entire pin socket established on my tails board. So that goes really quick. Um, so, so the but the table saw and router method came out of you just wanting to get through dovetails quicker, right? Yeah, it's the it's the notion that whatever machines can do for me, I let them do it. Wherever I have to get in with hand tools because it's the best and most efficient, most accurate way to do it, you know, outcome the hand tools. So, uh, for instance, I use a table saw to cut my tails because that's non-critical. I can make those at any angle I want, wherever I want in terms of spacing because I'm going to be scribing my pins from wherever those cuts are. Yeah. So that's where the table saw comes in and it does it really quickly. Um, and then on the back end, once you make your saw cuts, it's really just getting rid of the waist down to the shoulder. So it's just manual labor, which you can 
chop out, you can cope and chop out. I tend to cope out most of the waste and then use a little bearing guided bit to just route to the base. So nothing more than just, well, this is a really fast, accurate way to do this. Um, I can chop it. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the wood, but for the most part, I, I bust out the router and the table saw. So the table saw blade, uh, mine happens to be a forest blade. Forest, um, I don't know if there are other manufacturers that do this ridge possibly, but forest, you can order a blade, brand new blade ground at the specific angle that you want. Um, and they happen to be good blades. But if you send a flat top grind in blade to any saw sharpener, they should be able to grind that at whatever angle you want. So, and it's it's probably pretty affordable. I mean, so, table saw sharpening is affordable in general. Yeah. So a regrind, I'm, I'm sure it's based on teeth count. Yeah, and blah, what, blah, blah, 30 blah, or 40 but, bucks, something. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you've got like your old table saw blade lying around. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I'm thinking even if it's an alternating tooth blade, I bet they can regrind. You still regrind it to one angle. I think it's still going to work. Maybe you're hitting every other tooth, and you know, until you get it yeah. ground all the way down. But but at this point, yeah. it's a machine. Yeah. Doing it. So it's like it's not a guy sitting there with a diamond file. No. Smoking a cigarette over yeah. the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the router bit. I think it's the Whiteside three thousand one three thousand something. Um, I use a, a a it's a quarter inch. Um, shank, half-inch diameter bit, quarter-inch length of the bit with a bearing at the shank end of things. So as you're holding the router, you're holding the workpiece vertically, the router is down, the, the bearing is riding on the portion of the pin that you've already sawn, and it's just cleaning out the waste. I used to do it with just a straight bit, but you had to be careful not running into the pin walls. Um, I learned this from Will Neptune. Oh, just use a bearing on the bit, and it just rides on the pins. You don't have to worry about inadvertently cutting into anything. And it's like brilliant. One of those classic Will Neptune things where it's like, oh. Duh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I use, in a few episodes we had talked about this, how I had bought, it was a Diablo bit from Home Depot. Okay. And it had the undersized... (laughs) Or was it oversized? Oversized bearing. Oversized bearing. And um, wow, was there like a rush of woodworking emotional support in the community of (laughs) listeners out there? There were so many people that were like, I've bought that same bit too. Uh, And like, like just, and somebody said, listen, it's a great bit. Just get the right bearing for it. Yes. Um, Because it's, it's actually like a, um, can't think of, it's you know it's a sheer bit it's a it's not just straight walled what am i what, what, what's the yeah it's sort of at a sheer angle yeah. the the flutes are slightly angled thank yeah. you um and uh we're really really lucky and at any given week one of us in the office is headed up to woodcraft yes. to shoot with pop van Dyke. yes so uh barry was headed up there and said hey man can you pick me up a, a half inch uh bearing with a quarter oh. inch inside diameter and he, he bought it for like five dollars oh cool and i didn't know they had yeah. just parts there you go great so if you ever buy that bit apparently there's a um porter cable hinge template for doors for like doors. big doors yeah, yeah for like big construction doors or something like that that uses that specific bit yeah so it's not a mistake it's just we're using it for a different purpose and it doesn't quite work out <laughs> 
and it should be labeled a little bit better than it is. Yeah. If if but I mean the yeah. manufacturer, they're thinking, what do you mean you're using this to route yeah, like what, tail waste? What's Are a you, what's a pin? Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, it works great once you have the right bearing for it. Cool. All right. So here's another question about uh, your Wenge tea box and this is this we've actually had a lunchtime conversation about this but uh madison asks i was wondering how long it took mike to build the tea box featured in the magazine issue number number 269 uh and we have talked about this and i was shocked about okay so so mike pekovich sits down this is all i'm doing how long is that gonna take um so milling the stock, it's not a lot of stock. So boxes are one of those things where, oh, I'm just going to grab some scraps. It's like, no, I need wood. This is the wrong size. I got to go buy wood. Um, the milling, because it's really skinny stuff, you're doing some resawing, joining, planing. Um, you know, so give yourself two hours okay. to mill my stock. Boom. Um, dovetails, you know. Depends on how long it takes you to do a little dovetail boxes. Through dovetails, nothing fancy, nothing crazy. So, um, you know, and then you have to cut some table saw grooves in the top and bottom and get your surface prep. So give yourself a half a day to dovetail the box and get it glued together. So I kind of break it down into three, you know, if you want to, you know, and if your woodworking days are partial, I consider this a three-day project where get your lumber milled, get your dovetail box cut, glued up in one day. Okay. Second day, you're going to saw it apart. You're going to install all of the uh, little mitered lining that goes into it. Mm-hmm. That's some more resawing, some V-groove bits, some you know fitting of the miters. So it's simple stuff, but it's fussy. Take your time with that. So now you have a box with a sawn-off lid. You lift it up, and here's a really cool little miter divider glued and dropped in place. And then third day, you're making your little feet, which is just two cross feet with a long crossbar drilled with some holes in it. That you're, that's there just so you can wrap your cord through it and terminate it somehow. And then you've got to make your little ebony clasp, um, thread that, wrap it, call it good. So call that, let's call that day three. Yeah. So I would call it, you know, is it a weekend project? Yeah, if you're really going, you got two full days. I think it's a nice weekend project. Um, is Are you working a couple hours a day? That's ah, a week-long project yeah. probably. It's... There's, there must be something fundamentally wrong with me because I look at that and I'm a woodworker. I do I do this all the time. I know how long it should take me. But I look at that project and think like, oh, Mike could probably knock that out in a day. But I, I do too when I'm pricing it. And I-, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is how the conversation came yes. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first time I priced it, oh, that's fair. And then I made it. I said, I will never, ever sell one of these things again. So. <laughs> Do I mean so that's that's not just me. I always think that I'm going to get way more done in a given day than than I do. I'm starting to figure out how long it takes me to do tasks. Yeah. But it's just you you always think you can do more than you can do. And I think other woodworkers can do more than I could do or they could do probably. Yeah. And you know boxes, you know the idea well there's another style of box you could make quicker. It's like kind of, but then okay, let's say I'm going to do it a box with table saw miters and splines in the corners. Yeah, that's a lot quicker. But if you're setting up to do one of those, you pr- probably should do at least like 10 of those while you're at it. Yeah. So then it's sort of like, yeah, a 
table saw miter box with the rounded lid sawn off. Um, okay, so in and of itself, it's not going to take as long as a dovetail box, but because it's a lot of machine setup and you may as well batch a bunch, you're milling 10 times the stock, you're, you end up with 10 boxes in about the same time it takes you to make one box, but not one box in a tenth of the time it takes you to make a dovetail box. You yeah, know? so I was, I was going to – all right, so that, that T-box – how long would it take you to make – so three days for yeah. one. How long would it make, take you to make two and how long would it take you to make five, you think? Uh, you know, there's not the same amount of time savings because a dovetail is a dovetail. It's still going to take you time to cut. I mean there are some efficiencies. You got to mill up that much more lumber so you're not saving time there. Yeah, you can tape all your parts together when you're sawing your dovetails so you're saving some time there. But you still got to scribe, saw – Cope, route every single piece, saw them all apart. Maybe you're saving a little bit of time on the minor divider. So it's not, I'd say it's maybe two and one and a half the time it takes to make one. Not a big savings. Okay. Yeah. So so the second dovetails come into the equation. You're not the the multiple the rule of multiples isn't right. really okay. Whereas like yeah. the table sawn box, however long it would take you to make one table sawn box, you could probably make ten and twice that time. Mm. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, some things, uh, multiples are efficient. Other things, they're not. Yeah. So um, you'll learn pretty quickly whenever you decide to make five of anything, whether that was a good idea or not. Yeah. So, Oh, the other part of the question, how long did it take me to do the tea box? It's more of that philosophical answer. Oh, my goodness. Well, in that obviously um, – it took a lot of boxes before this to get up to this particular design. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> the first one cost a million dollars. Yes. It's like the first egg one of your chickens lays. That's an oh $800 egg. Yeah. 800, right? right. Uh, um, okay. So, we didn't plan a segment, but I am going to say that my all time favorite tool of all time for this week mm. is my new Steam Box. Ah. Well, I'm I'm like a bending fool right now because I've got a steam box going on, and while I had I even had parts steaming in it while I was making a bending iron or hot pipe bending apparatus. This is for your um, journey into the baritone ukulele land. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So, what kind of steam box? Like with the long box? With yeah. The plywood? Yeah. Uh, I did it from Jeff Lefkowitz's little manual, just a four foot long box. A little electric. With- Steam kettle thing? Yep. Cool. And uh, I did what I thought was genius and used a compressor coupler, you know, quick disconnect oh. for the hose. So I could unplug everything real quick huh. and hook it up. that work out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, man, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it works, right? It works. Um, so right now, as practice, I've been making guitar hangers. Okay. Just like a little bent piece of wood with a little notch cut out to hang guitars on the wall. Oh, cool. And um, I'm using kiln-dried stock. Hmm. And I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of trying to get good at bending kiln-dried stock because it's so much more approachable than having to find air-dried stock. Right. But I'm learning that there's a reason why everyone says get air-dried stock. Okay. Because I, I can get the bends. I just can't get them clean. In There's terms of a smooth curve or buckling on the inside. Oh, okay. And even if I use a compression strap, right, 
there's just a little bit of buckling going on. Okay. I, I might even bring one to live to like talk to uh, Peter Galbert and Michael Fortune about it and just see if like, if they think I, I've, uh, if they think I've just, I'm a tweak or two away or if they think I'm an idiot. Is it like, yeah, just sand it. Or is it more like how thick of the stock are you talking about? Well, yeah, I could just sand it, Mike. Well, but how much fun is that? I want to nail it. I want to get it right. I don't know, the, oscillating spindle sander. I, I know that's on my wish list right now. Yeah. So yeah, give me those buckled guitar hangers. I'll sand those for you. <laughs> <laughs> this this luthier thing is is making me like all of a sudden be like, okay, I need a that rigid spindle sander. Yes. And I think I might need a drum sander. Everybody needs a rigid spindle sander just because it's a crazy good value and nothing else does it. Yeah. So anyway. Um, well, so how thick is this dock that's buckling and what is it? Uh, I think it's – watch this. I think it's three millimeters. Oh. Jerry. What's a millimeter? <laughs> so three – is that like a fat eighth? Uh, yeah. Okay. Fat eighth would be a good way of saying okay. it, I guess. No, it's more than three millimeters. No, it was five millimeters. I'm sorry. I'm okay. getting that mixed up. Six, with 12, else. quarter. So heavy three sixteenths? I'd say a shy quarter yeah, inch. A shy quarter inch. Okay. Yeah. You say heavy three sixteenths, I say shy quarter inch. They're two different things. <laughs> Let's cut the whole thing off. No. Um, wow, and you're even buckling. How tight is your radius? It's, it's, uh, uh, like, Audio only audience, like two inch radius, smaller, yeah, one and probably. A half inch. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll bring in one. All right, I've I've you know I've got one done and with a uke hanging on the wall right now, hmm. and it's really freaking cool. Um, but uh, this is great audio while I try and find it. This, is great this photo to just show Mike. Yes. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I can see it, and no one else can. <laughs> I'll show you later. All right. Well, um. Yeah. Speaking of steam bending and favorite tools of all time, I was going to say a really, really long push stick, which has nothing to do with steam bending. But I got to say, because I, I use it every day, and it's amazing, um, and it's steam bent, is that spoon you made me. Oh, cool. Ben made me this little spoon with a little crook at the bottom and a little string-wrapped handle. I use that at work. It's sitting next to my pair of tea jars where I keep various... Um, varieties of oolong teas and then I lift up the lid I put my little spoon in there I get this perfect pile of dried tea and put it in my little teapot and take it into the office kitchen at 3 o'clock every day for my tea Time. but just that that little spoon is like perfect and every time I pick it up it's like ah it's my spoon Ben made me every <laughs> single time and it's perfect so good I don't know I am I glad it's it. I'm glad it's getting used yes you want to answer another question or do you? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. From Matt. How would someone go about preparing Kumiko strips without a table saw or drum sander? Um, that's pretty easy if, as long as you have a bandsaw. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Matt, if you have a bandsaw, um, you know, mill up your stock, I don't know, four or five inches wide to the, the thickness of the stock is going to be the height of your bars. So, for me, that's anywhere from a quarter to three-eighths to half-inch okay. thick. Um, set up your bandsaw to take whatever kerf... Oh, you don't have a table saw. That's okay. <laughs> this is, this no, is like a, a doomsday cool. scenario that no, you can't put yourself into. So just uh, set up your bandsaw to take the stock to, you know, 
slightly thicker than what your final thickness is. Let's say that's an eighth of an inch. Uh, it's headed up for a heavy eighth. Um, rip off a strip of the bandsaw, rejoint that edge with a hand plane, and keep ripping off all these strips. So you have all these strips where you have one really clean face, and the second face is a bandsaw face, um, and it's slightly thicker than what you want. Make yourself one of those little uh, block plane shooting boards. So, you know, basically there's two strips of wood, you know, roughly an eighth of an inch thick that um, the block plane rides on on either edge of the block plane is sitting on top of this. So it kind of creates this U-shaped channel. You stick your um, bandsaw strip in there and you plane it down in the little pieces of stock that the block plane is riding on on the edges. That becomes your depth stop. So you can knock those things to final thickness pretty easily. So those are your strips. And then from there, um, if you're cutting the notches, check out uh, books by Desmond King. He's written three or four of them now. Um, probably the first book is good, and he talks about creating a jig that allows you to create the notches by sawing each wall of the notch with a Japanese saw, and then you get a little eighth-inch chisel and you pop out the bottom of it, mm. and then you repeat that five million times, um, so it's, which is why I use a table saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's definitely doable. Absolutely doable, yes, yeah. Um, don't let the lack of a table saw or especially a drum sander, don't let either one of those stop you from trying this out because it is a really cool handwork intensive thing that you can do with, um, you know, almost no tools. Bandsaw's good. Otherwise, you're just going to be ripping this stock by hand, which, hey, if you like to do that, go for it. I would rather not do that. Could you? No. I was, I was, I mean, I guess if you were doing really thin or short Kumiko panels, I guess. Mm. Could you use like a veneer saw and a straight edge to rip parts out, to, to rip the, or is that just being stupid? Um, well, I mean, this is, here's something. I was like in a craft store, might've been Michael's or something like that. <clears throat> and they had that whole little section of that, that used to be balsa wood. And now it's just some sort of a soft wood in like yeah. really small dimensions for, I guess it's for like dollhouses and stuff. Oh, yeah. And you can get like a sheet of like eighth inch thick stock, which is maybe two or three inches wide. If it's already to the thickness, then you could maybe use like a, you know, a straight edge a piece of MDF with sandpaper on the bottom and a veneer saw to then pop out those strips out of something like that. Hmm. That might be really cool. Um, that is a tough thing. If you're getting into Kumiko because it's a handwork thing, but then all of a sudden you need all this machine work to get the yeah. strips ready to go, that is kind of a, a big stumbling block. And that wood, it's a nice light color, tight grain. I don't know if it's an aspen or basswood, or but all those woods I think are fine for Kumiko. I mean, yeah. do that. Cool. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. yeah, good luck, Matt. Figure it out. Worth it. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, I guess I'll do it for this little pregame episode. If uh, if you are headed over to Southbridge, Massachusetts, if you're listening to this while driving or flying or something, make sure you say hello to us when you get there. Yeah. And if not, maybe you can come next year, right? You should. I mean, you know, it's a big nut to crack. It's not it is. inexpensive. But, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of things more expensive that aren't as fun. Well, and... Like I've I've been doing ads um, 
for live every now and then. And one thing that I say is like, you know, come hang out with people who are like you kind of weird and into woodworking. Yeah. And I a really mean it. Like a bunch of people like that. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be funny, but like, I do mean it. It's like really satisfying to, to talk woodworking with people in person. Yeah. And, um, yeah, if you're one of the people who are like driven to listen to the podcast just because you don't know anyone else that are woodworkers and would laugh at a joke about dovetails, yeah, then Fine Woodworking Live is like that experience on steroids. Does anybody know any jokes about dovetails? <laughs> I guess you haven't seen any of my dovetails. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, the other other thing to add to that, though, is like that need to see things in person and I'm not, it doesn't have to be fine order King live. It could be what, whatever event, uh, um, or school or yeah. a Lee Nielsen event. I think it's really good to, I, I've said this before. I just want to reiterate. It's like, I was looking at a early project of mine the other day and I thought I was done sanding and now I look at it and I wasn't done sanding, uh, you know, or there's like, you look yes. at it and you're like, there's like obvious table saw marks right there. What, what? but I hadn't seen fine enough pieces or touched things to to give me that kind of perspective. Yeah, that's really true. And um, so, like, you you come to an event like that, and you'll see, or like Fine Working Live, you'll see finished pieces. It's at um, you know the uh, student exhibition, finished really high end pieces. And you see the fit and finish and the, how tight the doors are fit and yeah. how good the drawers are done. And it's it's really nice to see that perspective half in a non-museum setting. Half inspiring. Yeah. Because you say, okay, this is what I'm shooting for. This is cool. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, I've made a lot of pieces of furniture throughout my career. Um, I can't say I've made anything that I've been more proud of than – the plinth that I just made out of MDF and painted it white because I get to be in the gallery show because Ooh. yes, I'm so happy. So I have a little, my little drop front desk little guy and you, if you want to be in it, you have to make your own plinth. So I got some like MDF and some bright white eggshell latex paint. I nailed it. It looks so good. <laughs> Was it better than your last shipping crate? Yeah, my last shipping crates were slightly uh, underbuilt, unfortunately. Oh, they were underbuilt? Yeah, I'm redesigning them as we speak. You were really proud of it. I was so proud of them, yeah. but well, I'm the more, listeners, he was really proud of these shipping yeah, crates. Yeah, and I am. Um, I'm more proud of my plinth. Okay. And I have it in the house because I don't want to get sawdust on it. Every time I walk by, I say, look at that plinth. And my <laughs> wife is just driving her crazy. <laughs> so, and plus right. you get to say plinth, which is awesome. I know, awesome it's a word, word I learned just by... Working here. Yeah, there you go. All right. That's all for this uh, pregame episode of Shop Talk Live. I know. If you are listening, uh, sign on to Facebook tonight where we're going to be doing the Fine Woodworking fine woodworking Shop Talk Live, live from Fine Woodworking Live, live on Facebook Live. Um, we might do it on YouTube. I'm not sure yet. But sign on to one of those. Watch us make fools of ourselves live. I don't have to do that one, right? Nope. Awesome. Uh, but we will have Christian Bexford on stage. Yeah. We will have Nancy Hiller on stage. We will have Vic Teslin on stage. Oh, cool. So, yeah, we're bringing the big guns. All right. All who's, right. Uh, who's it? You and Anissa. Anissa. Wow. 
Oh, so like three people, but yeah. not me. <laughs> Tom thought since you were presenting that day and the next day, you needed a break. All right. Everyone else is going to be busy too. You're going to be drinking beer. You're going to be busier than anybody else. Yeah. Not but. very. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to just, I'm, I will be there. I will listen to that. All right. Well, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. Cool. Give me a big, fat, wet kiss.